When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. I am here with Lauren Williams and super excited because this woman is a badass. I can say that because it's my freaking podcast. Um, So Lauren is actually an Olympic athlete. Like, how cool is that? So I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She is a CFP. So obviously she knows a little about the business. Her company is called Worth Winning. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. I couldn't find it on my notes, but I, I remembered that because that's a great, that's a great name of a company. Okay. She's a four-time Olympian, a three-time Olympic medalist, and the first American woman to medal in both the summer and winter Olympic games. <laughs> and as I mentioned, her company Worth Winning offers virtual services to help young professionals get the answers to the the financial questions that matter most to them. Okay. I, I read that part. Okay. Here we go. So <laughs> I, I want to know really, I'm thinking of like the whole cliche thing of like the, just using the word champion because you are a champion. I mean, to become an Olympic athlete athlete is just even to get to like the Olympics is what is the percentage of people like in the world that even are that high level of an athlete? It's probably like 0.000001. It's one of those weird things. I don't know. It's incredible. And to become a champion as a business owner as well. Right. So I'm thinking like how I'm curious more about the mindset of like, how do you become this Olympic athlete? And then to go through that and even to medal as an Olympic athlete, like, tell me about that because it's, (laughs) it's amazing to talk to someone who has that, who has that, that under their belt. So for me, like, you know, the, the kind of model that I go by now and, you know, I'm doing speaking engagements, et cetera, is this idea that focus on the opportunities, not the obstacles. And I feel like that's really how I've approached my life. So I didn't know to call it that, you know, back when I was nine years old running around the neighborhood, but it was like anything you could do, I could do better to, you know, the kids in my neighborhood. And then it was like the boys that were my age. And it was like boys that were older than me. And I'm like, yep. Anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> you sing that song too, because that, I mean, now that song's in my, anything you can yeah. do, I can do better. I can do, okay, so we won't You sound good singing it, but me, no, <laughs> I can do anything better than you. Probably anything except for singing that you can do, except I can do better. Singing. Yeah, but running, you can kill it. So you did, you said track track and field, is that what you said? Uh-huh. And bobsledding, is that what you said? And bobsledding, yes. Bobsledding. I didn't even know if that that was a sport exactly. So how did those two even relate? Because that that seems like completely different things. Yeah. So in track and field, it is all sprinting and I'm a power athlete. And in bobsled, I am like the Flintstones, the car, the, you know, the feet to get the car going. So you're sprinting behind this bobsled to try to get the velocity up. And then I just jump in and ride. Okay. So there is a connection because you're super fast. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're basically like dash on the Incredibles. Yes. Yes. You could take on dash because anything you can do 
you can do better. I can do better. <laughs> okay. So, so I want to go back to that mindset thing. Cause that's amazing. So you're nine years old. You're, you just knew you, you excelled at it obviously naturally. Like you, did you like running? Did you, did you ever think of becoming an Olympic athlete? Like I did not. Um, when I learned that I could go to college for free, it became a lot more exciting. I was just running around, like you said, the neighborhood. I, I did do track in high school, but it was like more of a social thing, like way to get out of class, way to hang out with friends. I, I definitely love competing and, and winning, but I didn't realize that there was like places you could go like college or the Olympics. Um, that wasn't really on my radar. And then it was like, oh, free education. That sounds awesome because I come from a family of five sisters, two brothers, not a lot of money to go around. There was no college fund. So I was going to have to figure it out some way. Damn, that's awesome. Okay. So then you, you get a free ride to college. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then like, what was your training like for the Olympics? Like how old were you and how old were you when you were in the Olympics and how much did you train? Was it like day and a night? And like, cause that training just <laughs> sounds like hell I'm doing 75 hard right now. Are you familiar with 75 hard? Oh, I okay. Not. It's probably nothing compared to what you did to get into the Olympics. <laughs> so 75 hard, it's 75 days where you basically have to work out twice a day for 45 minutes and one has to be outside, but like, it could be a walk to the park, which is a lot of my workouts because I have kids and I got to like utilize my time. You got to drink a gallon of water. You got to read 10 pages of a book, a nonfiction book every day. You got to eat a specific diet that you get to choose. Um, and there's no cheating. Like, you know, you can't have alcohol or, and you can't like cheat on meals. And I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, you have to take a picture of yourself, like a selfie every day. So you can see the progress. You're looking at me like that's hard, but you're a freaking Olympic athlete. So like, what was your training like? Like yes, it was not two a days for 75 days straight. We, we believe in taking a break in sports. So I feel so hardcore right now, Lauren. Thank you. But you're drinking your water. So you're, you're, water. I got a gallon to drink, right? You're doing it. Keep it up. <laughs> so you. for me, the training was uh, definitely very intense, but I think the thing that makes it a lot easier is like you said, once you're in shape, so one, you're younger, it's a lot easier to get in shape. Um, but once you're in shape, it's a lot easier to kind of stay in shape. So our days look more like weightlifting at 6am. Uh, then we go off to class when I was in college, uh, come back around 2.30 in the afternoon and practice maybe from 2 to 4.30 and then there's the physical therapy aspect of it. And then you take that and you amplify it. Um, so I did college for three years. And then uh, my junior year of college, I won the national championships, ran the second fastest time in the world. And it happened to be 2004, which was an Olympic year. So that's kind of how the journey got started. Oh, and so then what things was the fastest time. And what did you run? I ran 10.96 seconds um, in 2004. Uh, at the, to win. How much? I mean, what was the length of the run? A hundred meters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Forgot that part. You're like three miles in 10 seconds. I'm like, damn, Lauren, you're amazing. How did you do anything it? you can do? I can do better. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's pretty rigorous, but that's interesting. So it was, it kind of seems just more like routine, but what I like what you said and relating this to business is, you know, once you're already in shape, it's just more about staying in shape. And I think very similarly, when we're talking about women in financial services, growing their business, and you have your own business, and you're a CFP, it's like you have to rev up, right? You have to train yourself. You have to actually work hard. You got to, like, you're going to get sore. I'm going to try to use this analogy as best as I can here, right? You got to sprint sometimes. You're going to get sore. You might pull a muscle. Then you got to like, okay, slow down for a little bit. And then you got to train. You got to train. And I think the training is mostly when it comes to business is stretching outside your comfort zone, right? Stretching mm -hmm. and stretching and stretching. And you said, focus on the opportunities, not the obstacles. And it's all mindset, right? So if you're looking, 
looking at like, you didn't do hurdle jumping. It doesn't sound like, but you probably have done it in your life, but hurdle jumping. If you look at the hurdle, you look at the hurdle, you look at the hurdle, you'll probably hit it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you look past it, you look past it, you probably jump over and it's kind of, you probably don't even look at it. Right. You just look past it to where you want to go. And then you get there. And the same thing with board breaking. Have you ever broken a board? I have not broken a oh, board. Girl, anything you can do, I can do better. Uh-huh. Totally break a bigger board than I, but um, there's like board breaking where someone would hold the board and they tell you to look like, look, you, you think of it as an analogy. Like you put your goal there and on the back, you can write, I actually have a board, but no one's really watching this anyway. But um, you put on the, you put, here's my goal. Like this is what I want to accomplish and on the back. You put all the obstacles or fears that are holding you back. And then it's like an analogy to break through these fears. And so if someone holds the board and you learn to just break through and it's, it's easy, like you could do it the first time. You don't have to have like a lot of training, but you have to look past it. If you're looking right at the board, like the obstacle and not the opportunity, right. Instead you're looking past it at the goal and you're thinking about getting through it. Then you just put your weight into it and you can break the board. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm using these amazing. I'm not, you're usually very good at analogies, but trying you're to killing analogies. It. <laughs> I'm nailing it. I'm killing it right here. Um, but to think about like you had huge, potentially huge obstacles. Like you want to be the best, not just in your high school, not just in your college, not just in your community, but in the world. And then to have to train yourself. Sometimes you got to, you know, rev it up and sprint and go really, really fast. And then you got to sometimes slow down and like, just tell me how that's shown up, what you've done and what you've learned as an Olympic athlete, how that has helped you grow your business. Yeah. So I, like you said, you're, you're right on target with all the analogies. The other thing I would add to it is like the idea of perseverance. So for me as an athlete, you know, you show up at practice every day. Some days you are sore. Some days your practice sucks. Um, some days you just don't do a good job. Um, or some days you go to a race and you don't win the race. That doesn't mean you don't show up to the next race. Like you don't just quit because of that. You don't just not show up to the practice the following day. All of this is building a foundation so that you can be successful. And so the way that's translated over into my business is like, yeah, sometimes, you know, you have a prospect and they're so excited and they sound great. And then they ghost you like, you're like, oh my goodness, what, what happened? I thought for sure that was a, that was someone that was coming in. Um, you don't shut your business down just because someone said no. Um, and then profit wise, you got to figure out like, okay, here's the expenses. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how many people I need. Like, where am I going to find these clients? Um, and figuring that out is, a, oh my goodness, it's just an effort in and of itself. And so figuring out how to do that is also one of the things I've had to persevere through is like, okay, I can charge for this. I can charge in a way that is going to be valuable to the client and also profitable for me. What does that look like? And continuing on and building the foundation on what I learned and going forward has helped me become like, okay, I'm winning at this now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And do you have your own RAA? Because I think you said you're you're doing more. Like, is it like more like advice only? Fee only? You said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a fee only advisor. Um, yeah. And I charge people either on an annual retainer. So I actually have six different service offerings, which is something that some advise against. But where my passion lies is one, serving young professionals and two, uh, being able to close the gap so that people of various income levels are able to get access to uh professional financial advice. So we know there's a lot of TikTok things out there and all sorts of different stuff from people who have, you know, no knowledge, no expertise, no credibility. Uh, but for me, it's about like making sure that people have somewhere to go where like, I, I'm going to dig into the answers for you. So I have a course uh, that makes it easy for those. That's kind of like what my pro bono offering looks like. Uh, I have a one-time, you just, you know, let's just talk in the moment and get advice. Uh, I have a one-time plan, which is like a full financial plan. That's good for the singles and, you know, people who are pretty 
simple. And then there's like ongoing planning, which is more traditional. Uh, people pay me an annual retainer and they can pay it either monthly or quarterly. And those are my clients that I'm managing assets for, et cetera. One other thing that's unique about my assets, I do manage assets, but I don't charge on the assets that I manage. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's also wow. pretty unique. Wow. And how long have you had this business? It is five years old now. Wow. Yeah. How old are you? Am I allowed to ask that? I'm six. Yeah. You look very young. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Just one year. Uh, you started at one year old. I right. Mean, I, okay. I just had my 38th birthday. 38. Really? Okay. You look young. It's, it's, you know, your African-American skin probably because us we whiteies start to droop very quick. Um, okay. So um, you've had your business for five years, 38 years old. That's, that's amazing though, too. Cause I, I, ha I mean, I have my own business now, but when I was a financial advisor, I was definitely under like the typical broker dealer thing. And like the idea of like going on my own and, and going, dealing with compliance on my own and all that and, and trying to figure it out, like that's just a, a big, a big headache, like felt like a big headache to me. So what made you decide to own your own business and to go that route? Like, did you, were, did you start at a broker dealer before? And then you came into your own or you just went from like, I'm an Olympic athlete to starting. Are you serious? Okay, yes. Tell me, about that <laughs> tell me about like, what was the transition from Olympic athlete to your own RAA and financial planning? Definitely the road less traveled. If you will, it was like, Oh, and I'm, Olymp I'm an Olympian. And now I want to be a financial planner. So basically you know how few people can say I'm an Olympian, Lauren, like, that's so cool. Like, I, I mean, just that you can just say that in everyday life. Like, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm an Olympian. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm just saying that's cool. Okay. It felt good to say it, even though I'm lying when I say it. Okay. Continue this. <laughs> so I had two advisors during my time as a professional athlete that didn't do a very good job for me. So didn't deep dive into my finance. didn't help me set any goals. I just felt very much like I'm paying for something, but I don't know what I'm paying, what I'm getting from this service. And so I was kind of frustrated with that did a Google search actually. And that's how I found the certified financial planning coursework. I was like, Oh, this seems interesting. I'm going to learn more about money. Had no idea what the industry was, how it worked. Just wanted to learn more for myself and then kind of got into it, started learning a little bit more, bumped into uh, someone who knew about NAPFA, which is the, uh, the association for fee only advisors. And so I Googled that found somebody nearby and was like, Hey, I want to work here. And they were like, what? you want to work here, but we're not hiring right now. And I'm like, but you're the nearest um, CFP set of places. And I'm working on a CFP and I need to learn from people who have CFPs. That, that literally was kind of like my spiel. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to spiel better than that. And they're like, well, we're, we're, we needed a cover letter before you can, cause I brought my resume with me, um, which I had to say, like, I am an Olympian. Can you hear me? I'm an Olympian. Hear me roar. I can get whatever job I want. <laughs> It was definitely super duper frustrating though, because I, I was like, I hadn't made a resume. I've been competing as a professional athlete for 10 years. So right. I was like, what do I even put on this thing? <laughs> I'm like, this is not good enough. You're telling me now I need a cover letter. You need Lauren. If you ever have to do a resume again, it's just one piece of paper that says I'm a freaking Olympian exclamation point. And it should be over. Like if you came to me and you said, I'm an Olympian, I would hire you for something like there's right. no way like an Olympian won't be a great asset to your team. Like no way. Cause, and this is another great point. I mean, I'm, I'm blowing smoke up your, no, I'm not, I'm just, I'm serious. Like it takes so much to become an Olympic athlete. Like the, the quality of person who would be an Olympic athlete, it's already done. It says, it says so much like, 
I don't know why anyone wouldn't. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start putting out like, hey, you want to work for me? Are you an Olympic athlete? Right. <laughs> there are lots of Olympic athletes that are looking for jobs. Okay, so. you introduce me. We're going to have this conversation separate in our next podcast. But I'm serious because like who, who, like how could you do that and not work hard? And that's most important to me to hire people on my team are like work, it's work ethic and that they're good at, like they can, they're solution oriented, can figure things out, hard workers and, you know, flexible good mindset, all those things that I would love to hire. Okay. Continue. I interrupted as I do. <laughs> I don't know what part of the story. Oh, was. I think we were talking about, so they told you to submit a resume. Oh, so they hired me. That's a long story short there. <laughs> do you tell them on your resume that you're an Olympic athlete? Of course. Right. I, they know they put me through a real rigorous, like, and I was just an intern. So I was like, this company is really serious. But the way I got into the industry was, you know, not just that internship. It was like, okay, night and day, what they were doing versus what the two people that I hired for myself were doing. All I kept seeing, though, was, like you said, this barrier to entry. So at that firm where they were doing great work for people, you needed a million dollars in assets to be a client. I was 20 years old making $200,000. And I was like, I didn't have a million dollars. And how was I supposed to get the million dollars? I don't know what Olympians make. Like you were making $200,000 a year or like a day? A year, a year, not a, <laughs> not a day. That would have been nice though. That's what you make as an Olympic athlete, like 200 grand a year? That's not what everybody makes as an athlete. <laughs> so there are some that earn much better than that. Uh, yeah. And most of them will earn much, much worse than that. Yeah. But as an Olympic athlete, you were like earning 200 grand a year? Exactly. Wow. Okay. Which is so, not a bad living for a 20 year old. I think yeah, we can all agree. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And if you can save, but still, if, if you need a million, like it would take a long time to get a million dollars of assets in order. Exactly. To- you got to pay taxes. You got to pay your agent. So it's going to take yeah. me forever to get a million dollars. So I'm like, well, where do people go who make good money, who are willing to pay for someone who don't have a million dollars? How am I supposed to get the million dollars? Um, so it was super frustrating. They were telling me like, that's how the industry works. You can't make money off of people who don't have money. And I'm like, well, where I come from, $200,000 is a lot of money. So <laughs> I'd be happy to work with someone who earns 200k a year um this, and so that's kind of probably too young for this reference but it does remind me of pretty woman and pretty woman she goes because she has money now do you know the the pretty woman do you know the movie yeah i know the movie yeah okay i'm a little too old for, for you but she takes she has all this cash and she's like trying to shop because you know the 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 rich guy gave her money and she's like i got money to spend here and they were you know they were giving her crap but it's like you got money and no one's listening and no one really cares which which completely sucks unless it's just someone at one of these companies and i'm not trying to throw you know cast rocks at, at the enemies here but there are companies that they'll take you if you are breathing and but they obviously earn commission and so then you're on like that's probably the type of experience you had and not that everybody's like that but the two advisors you talk to you're feeling like what am i paying for they're just selling me shit and now like i don't even get the advice that i need and i still don't know how to grow my wealth which not everybody's like that of course but that's yep i started leaving it out of the story but you know that you figured it out anyway so that's exactly what happened um, i mean it's it's a common story unfortunately and mm-hmm. And it's, it is a problem in the industry in which, you know, not to say that men do this and women don't, women do this and men don't, but I will pull the women's card, which is why I want to increase the footprint of women in the industry is that I do think women are natural nurturers. Women tend to really just want to provide so much value to a fault sometimes where they'll, they'll, you know, let's say sacrifice themselves or, or put everybody else first, or maybe not try to sell someone could God forbid, someone's going to try to feel like they're selling them, but women truly just typically want to serve. And so some 
sometimes I think the the industry gets a bad rap because a lot of people are selling, selling, selling because the only way they can make money is to sell. But that's mm-hmm. that also the messed up thing about the industry is like I remember when I first started, I was at an independent company, but it was a subsidiary of the Hartford, and the Hartford was you know I think it still exists, but it's like an insurance company, right? And being mm-hmm. a subsidiary, like all the uh, what do they call it? Product knowledge that we got, even though it was just product knowledge, just learning about the products. Yeah. But it was like, you're feeding me products and making me think that I should sell these products. And I did. And then I'm like, okay, I will, I will sell that. Cause it seems like the best product in the world. And then I'm truly intending to serve, truly intending to give them a, a ton of value, but then I'm, I'm selling them shit because that's the only way I can make money. And not because of it, but it's because I I believe that that's also going to serve them at the highest level. But there's a lot of convoluted shit that's going on there because your income is tied to your commission. And sometimes it's in a negative way that you try to sell people. And I don't think that's typical for women, but like you're brainwashed into trying to sell the product. And then I think sometimes it's also, like I said, the opposite thing where I'm overcompensating because I don't want them to think I'm trying to sell them where I don't even make an offer because I'm so scared. They're thinking I'm just trying to get commission. <laughs> you're laughing. Like you resonate with this, right? All of it. All of it. I like, you need to give you the snaps because oh, snaps. <laughs> oh my God. Lauren Williams gave me snaps. This is cool. <laughs> Uh, but it's true. It's it's also very true. Uh, the conundrum of the people that are in the industry, like you said, are not bad people, but the, the conflict of interest is clear and it does not serve the person that's on the consuming end very well at all. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so OK, so you work for this company for how long as an intern then? Um, maybe like a little less than a year. And then I moved from, uh, I was in college station. I moved to, from there to Dallas and they introduced me to someone else. And I actually found a young lady that was serving young professionals solo out of her house. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I thought I was the only person that had an idea to like help young people. And like, I could go off and do like, it was just like unheard of because I didn't know the industry either. That was the other thing was I didn't really have frame of reference other than two bad advisors, internship at great place. And now this young lady that was uh, serving people independently. Um, so I got, I was like, wow, I want to do this too. And she took me to a conference and I realized there was like a hundred other people that were interested. So I was at the front end of a movement of a bunch of young professionals leaving big firms because they were sick of telling their friends, hey, I got to help you on the weekend over drinks and I can only give you this kind of advice because my firm doesn't actually allow me to serve people like you. Yeah. Um, and that was the XYPN conference, the very first one I went. Oh, cool, cool. And yeah, the rest was history. I, I left there and I was like, okay, where do I sign up? I'm going to just become an RIA. And yeah, no experience really beyond those two internships. That's awesome. So did you work with that young woman or she just took you to a conference and then you... No, I worked, yeah, I worked with her for a while as well. Okay, and then you started your own. Okay, mm-hmm. and XYPN is super awesome. And Michael Kitsis, as many of you know, you were on Michael Kitsis's podcast, I'm sure too. I don't know if I've been on Kitsis' uh, podcast yet. I haven't had the pleasure. I should connect. Anyway. I got to do something fancy first. Yeah. This, you had to do this first. This is very fancy. I am very fancy. Um, wow. That's awesome. Okay. So then you started your own firm and, and like, what is your big goal? Like, what is it that you, I mean, obviously to help, uh, help people, even if they don't have the assets and all that, but do you have a big goal or mission that we can help spread here? It is so funny that you asked that. I'm in this business class right now and we worked on vision and mission this week. Hey. So I have a vision statement as of like today. To test it out, Lauren. What do you got? I want everyone to tell me what you think. So we are building a community for young professionals to feel more educated and confident about their personal finances. This forgotten group will have organized finances, empowering them to use money as a tool to have the freedom to live the life they want. Sweet. I like it. We'll get the votes on the podcast later. Mm -hmm. Um, That's awesome. Well, I think that's great too, that you're getting clear on that because 
you have a voice. You said you also do speaking engagements, right? Yes. And so I think using that is going to help also obviously inspire people, which I think is, is really amazing. So if you were going to give advice to some financial advisors, whether they have an RA or not, and most probably listening don't, um, but what, what advice would you give? Because I think no matter what, whether they're under whatever umbrella it is, their own umbrella or someone else's umbrella. I, I know the, the people who listen to this stuff that, you know, we're about growing your financial business, the woman's way, the woman's way is really authentic. The woman's way is sharing your voice. The woman's way is from the heart. Um, they care about helping people, serving people, whether they have to, you know, even, even making money off products, it doesn't mean anything is wrong with that because mm-hmm. um, their intention is to serve. And I, I for sure don't believe anything's wrong with making money. I'm all about make more money, help more people. But um, from your perspective, um, to those women listening, what would you, what advice would you give them, especially from the Olympic athlete uh, perspective? <laughs> I would say, don't be afraid to think outside of the box. And it's a cliche saying, but it's so important that we continue to innovate so that we can serve people in the way that is best for them to be served. We do not. And one of the mistakes I made in my business was, like I said, trying to get a start a financial planning firm the way everybody else does. And so like, you know, there's a groundwork, there's a layout that you can follow to kind of get yourself going. And because I didn't have a frame of reference, I'm like, okay, I need to follow this footprint. And it was okay initially just to get me going, but it was not ultimately the kind of firm that I wanted. So I talked about the six different service offerings and how, you know, that's already a lot more than what other people have. I talked about not managing assets, but one of the things I'm doing now is retreats. I just finished my first financial retreat and it was amazing. It is the most rewarding thing I've done since I've been in the industry. And I had the idea five years ago when I started this. <laughs> However, I was afraid because I was like, it doesn't fit into any of the boxes of what financial planning is or how you're supposed to, supposed to give advice. Um, I don't know how I'm going to charge, you know, I just obstacle, 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 instead of, oh my gosh, what a cool opportunity. I just jumped off the ledge. I did it. And it was amazing. So get outside of the box of how we are taught to do financial planning of how we are taught to sell services and products and really think about how can I best serve the person on the other side of this? And you'll be surprised what you come up with. Yeah, I love that. And I can relate to that. Um, you know, I was at an independent firm, but it was still, still very, very traditional. And like I said, it was still a subsidiary of, a, of a, an insurance company. So like, you know, very, very kind of standard, typical compliance and all that stuff. But what I found was that, as I actually, cause I hired a coach cause I wasn't getting success, having success and struggling and all that stuff. And then I was working with someone who really taught me how to ask the right questions. And it was a sales conversation, which scared me at first thinking, Oh no, I don't want to sell people. Even though obviously I had to sell people to, to actually make money, mm-hmm. but it was more about understanding what they wanted, understanding what was holding them back. And by doing that, I realized that the vehicles that I had to sell, so to speak, weren't necessarily what they needed to get them the result that they wanted. And so I actually created a money coaching program and started, like I had to get this outside business activity. I had to go outside the box though. Like I had to figure it out. And at first it was a a compliance pain in the ass. And of course, like it wasn't easy, but so what I'm going to give up because it's not easy. Like, did you give up because it wasn't, you know, being an Olympic athlete wasn't easy. Like, no, you keep going, you persevere, as you said. And so I knew it would serve the clients at a higher level. And so I created this money coaching thing. I got my outside business activity approved. And within the traditional kind of umbrella of here's what you can do and what you can't, I still was able to do something outside the box. And that allowed me to provide more, provide more value, make more money, help more people, all those things. So um, I think we oftentimes get, you know, into this restricted area because compliance and we can't do this. But I've had clients, you know, Edward Jones, where they say, oh, you can't do that. And then, no, actually, we find a way to do it. Even like, like I have a client who has a best selling book and she's Edward Jones. And some people say, oh, you can't, you can't do that because that's not compliant. Like, well, 
actually you can find a way. So um, mm-hmm. I think going outside the box is awesome. Um, anything else just as far as like the, I want, I can't stop thinking about the Olympic athlete thing, but just as far as mindset that will really help them, like, again, be a champion in their business so that they can have more impact. Yeah. I think that, uh, discussions are a really important part of mindset. So I actually did a whole, like, I have a whole course on money mindset and also did it during the retreat. But for me, the mindset aspect of things is how can I communicate transparently that is the biggest thing that I think gets in everyone's way, whether you're, like you said, a client of ours, or if we are the financial person sending out the information, when we are transparent, our clients are more open and more ready to be transparent with us. So we have to get out of our own way, money mindset wise, get out, you know, these limiting beliefs that we have. So either as a business owner, you know, like you said, whether you're selling, whatever your role is, uh, you have some limiting beliefs and you've got to step over those. So first acknowledge them. That's important from a mindset standpoint, and then figure out how to knock them down because we all, like you said, want to make money. We all want to earn because we have families to take care of. We have ourselves to take care of. So it's not a bad thing to earn money, but we got to first understand what our mindset is, what's limiting us from doing what we want to do, and then figure out how we can go forward toward that. That's awesome. Uh, Do you have kids, by the way? I don't have any children. Okay. Yeah. That's also why I look so young, right? I I mean, yeah, probably because you seriously (laughs) look like 20 still. I don't know what you looked like at 20. Maybe you looked five, but yeah. Um, So good. I'm just curious um, about the retreat because it's very outside the box. Like what was, what was that specifically? What, what did you do? Was it a weekend thing and you went somewhere? It was a Thursday to a Sunday. We did 12 different modules. um, And like I said, the first three were completely qualitative. So money mindset, environment, um, spending with purpose, thinking about like how to be intentional and giving before we even got to like making a budget. Once again, like how can we, how can we tell clients to invest if they don't have a budget? How can we tell them to make a budget when they don't understand, you know, why they spent the way they have in the past and where they want to go forward? Uh, People always say, I want to give, I want to be more intentional. You know, a lot of ESG is all the rave right now, but it's like, what can you do, you know, on a basic level? Uh, You know, do you want to shop at Amazon? Do you want to shop at, you know, Walmart or whatever the place may be? You know, what does your spending align with your values is a step number one. So it was a three day retreat. Thursday to Sunday, we had a private chef. Uh, we had a hot wow. tub. Where was yeah. it? Uh, Atlanta. Oh my gosh. So that was the first one. Um, and I had four, four ladies and it was a game changer. Like I, it was the first time like I said, I really feel like I changed their lives. And that's wow. not like you said, me puffing myself up. Uh, it was, they had a set of beliefs, a set of money messages they were coming in with, um, you know, great earners and did not know, you know, how to make the most of their money and simple conversations. You know, like I said, we did do financial planning, but the conversation aspect of it and the realizing that they weren't alone I think was the most valuable aspect of it, making them feel like they could take action because they were not the only person that experienced this setback or this sort of thing, or that had credit card debt, et cetera. Yeah. And that's really crucial for same with my community. I mean, we, we just had an event um, and it was, we, we had about 30 women at this one. It's our femme mentorship. And the community is more powerful than the advice that I give. Like the community, like, just like you said, knowing that other people are in it and, and a bunch of women who are all financial advisors or insurance professionals who have the same problems, want the same thing. They're very, you know, uh, committed to making a difference and, but they just need to know like how to do it and, and what's the best way to grow their business, all that stuff. Like that camaraderie is just amazing. So that's, you know, good, good on you. Good on you. I can say as like an Australian <laughs> thing for, for putting that together. Cool. Well, tell them where to find you. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. It'll probably will still talk to you after this for hours. No, you're okay. You're okay. Um, but tell them where to find you and, um, yeah, to get more information on Lauren Williams. 
Yeah, the website is worth-winning.com. And on social media, you can find me at worth at worth winning, right? <laughs> That's easier than Lauren because you, you spell your name like Lauren Hill, right? Isn't Lauren Hill spelled that way? Too? That is correct. But I am Lauren yeah. Will, <laughs> like Lauren Williams. Lauren so. Will. Yeah, yeah. And my um, personal website is Lauren Dash Williams as well. So there's a little dash in there, you know, okay. cheaper than the to Google when you just put her name. Yeah, but it's, it's with a Y, just like Robin. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's so awesome to have you. And thank you for, for all those who listened through this. This was, this was quite entertaining and fun. So great to have you here. And we'll see you all next time on growing your financial business the woman's way. Bye-bye. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the appointment generator challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system and you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.